And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The race is on, but it isn't for Porsche as it has given up on its bid to find a way onto the F1 grid in 2026. So at a time when manufacturers are clamouring to get in, why did its attempt run out of steam? And what does it mean for the Mark's F1 future? I'm Ed Straw and joining me to discuss those questions and more is Scott mitchell Mound. Well, Scott, how's life? How's things in Sweden? Yeah, not too bad. Um, not uh, not home for too long, really, as we sit and record this from Saudi Arabia, but a home sooner than I feared I would be, as uh, followers on Twitter will or may be, may be aware. Uh, I only realised in the wee hours of Monday morning after Jeddah that I had actually erroneously booked my flight home for Monday the 20th of November. Not much. <laughs> that required a little bit of a fix last minute, but I'm back home now and um, I've had about 24 hours as we sit and record this to um, you know, plot my, uh, my canvassing route because you've, uh, you've very recently tasked me with going out to drum up support for a cause very close to your heart. Yes, the Sports Podcast Awards. We're in the category of Best Motorsport Podcast, so you can vote for us there up against various motor racing podcasts. So if you, well, I just encourage people to vote. Obviously, if they vote for us, it's even better. But take a look at the Sports Podcast Awards website and you should be able to click on us. And Scott, why should they? Well, because we don't have Ben Anderson on a pod, on the podcast this week. Um, so we're making an effort. We're listening to listener feedback, trying to make the podcast better than ever banning the idiots who can't draw f1 cars correctly and focusing on insight from the likes of us and mark hughes and and gary anderson and and everything everybody likes in detailed f1 land and i'm i should stress i'm only joking ben does obviously contribute to that but can we um can we bribe people into voting if we offered every single person that voted for us a hand-drawn, signed Ben Anderson artwork. Is that allowed? I think that would leave Ben with quite a lot of work to do because that might mean he has to draw as many as two or three. Uh, That's fine. That's absolutely fine. I I can sign him up for this. Ben, if you've got a problem with that, say something now. Exactly. So there we go. We're we're, we're sorted. Get voting and we'll get Ben Anderson on the drawings. He's going to love it when he listens to the podcast and hears this. Well, what we can definitely promise if you vote for us is we'll continue to produce the F1 podcast that you apparently love, or at least tolerate, whichever one it is. So yeah, head to the Sports Podcast Awards website to take a look at their awards. There's loads of categories there. It's not just motorsport, just about every sport under the sun. 
But let's get on to our main topic. Scott, can you explain where we actually are with Porsche now? Is it officially done, done now? <laughs> um, yeah, it looks uh, it looks over. I think it's all, all, all but dead now for 2026 and in the years immediately beyond that. There isn't a formal update. This isn't a Porsche statement or, or anything like that. It's... Um, well, I suppose the best way to to put it is I, I've I've just sort of been doing my job and speaking to to some people. So we we've run a story this week. The uh, the the update is that I I believe that in recent weeks, I think it, as of this month, certainly that Porsche has basically ended the sort of formal evaluation that they were they were doing, looking at what options they had to to get onto the grid. We know the most high profile form of that was the Red Bull talks, which collapsed sort of late summer last year so since then there's been a lot of noise about Porsche still looking around and still trying to see if they can make it work but it has um, I think it's fair to say it's looked less and less likely as the months have passed and yeah so now the situation is that they are not um, formula formally looking into that anymore their focus is on I believe their return to Le Mans the top class of Le Mans and their hypercar program basically Winning the big enduros in 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 Le Mans and also in 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 the states, Daytona, Sebring, that that sort of thing. Um, F1 still of interest to Porsche in an, in an official capacity, I believe, but just not something that they are uh, properly considering anymore for 2026 because they just can't get they they can't see anything that they can really get to make work at least on their terms anyway. It's one of those strange things, isn't it? Because since the Red Bull thing fell over it's been very unofficial hasn't it they weren't on the list of registered power unit suppliers but that wasn't a reason for them not to be able to come in that just meant they hadn't done the the kind of paperwork and submitted a the proper interest because that's a non-commitment thing and obviously if Porsche said yeah we're going to do this F1 wouldn't have said no go away no and they were never they were never likely to be part of that part either were they because even when they were talking about coming in with Red Bull it was uh, very clear very early on that Porsche didn't Porsche didn't have that infrastructure of their own they didn't have their technology they didn't really seem to have any appetite for it so I think it's fair to say we were we were not surprised when they were left off off that list although it would have been as you say a fairly easily easy and non-committal way for them to have signaled their intent but I guess they just didn't want to ever be misleading and make it sound like they could have done an engine if they wanted to. And I guess across the board, we shouldn't be so surprised by this happening. It's been going this way for a bit because that Red Bull deal sounded brilliant on paper until the rug was pulled from under it. It seemed like a great way for Red Bull to take the next step and show up its future, but they had a different way of doing things. Obviously, we now know that involves Ford. And then there were these other possibilities. What teams could they go with? Williams Porsche sounded great. McLaren Porsche, they all sounded brilliant on paper. And Porsche would be a partner that any of those teams that are a non-works team would be chasing. But as you alluded to, it's clear that what Porsche was actually offering wasn't quite as great as you might imagine for a brand of that magnitude. No, um, the the problem is that that I think like a lot of manufacturers are discovering that want to come back into F1 now. So we see it with Audi and Ford in, in different ways. Just because you're involved in other motorsport categories doesn't mean you've got a sort of turnkey operation ready and waiting to be just deployed on it on f1 it doesn't work like that and an f1 team or an f and an f1 engine facility requires something bespoke and almost uh, certainly something massive as well so as i un- as we understood it porsche never had anything 
like this, the, the Red Bull deal was so convenient because it allowed them to basically piggyback onto a new engine company that was being built up. And there may, there may well have been some Porsche contribution in terms of personnel or technical know-how, but it, it would have been limited. I think that's fair to say. No disrespect to what they have achieved in hybrid technology and sports car racing with LMP1 and, and what they're now going to try and achieve on the hypercar side. But th that that project, that project, the LMP1 project ended a few years ago and people and facilities get redistributed across other other programs. There was the, the Porsche engine development that went uh, up until, I think, 2016 or 2017, where they did uh, an early development version of, uh, I think a sing, I think they went beyond a single cylinder engine for the V6 turbo hybrid rules. So they had a basis there for an engine, but again, that facility doesn't exist in the same way anymore. The personnel aren't there anymore. Um, so really, what Porsche was offering was a name and a very, very appealing, massive name. And obviously some financial firepower as, as well because Porsche would want to invest in whatever it is they're getting involved in, but not a lot else. So really, really, was this ever looking like more than just glorified sponsorship? Cynically, you could say no because all that was was just great famous brand with a load of money wants to be in Formula One. But if you're not bringing technology, if you're not bringing in a team or you're not bringing in a car or an engine... It doesn't really matter if you're an automotive manufacturer or just like a really cool brand sponsor type thing. Like it's it's difficult to see what the specific addition is. And that hurts something like Porsche when a team that is weighing up a partnership not only has to consider what that partner would bring, but what they'd have to what the team would have to sacrifice in order to get that partner on board. And if you looked at what Porsche could offer then because they were demanding a significant, if not majority stake in whatever team that they invested in and partnered with, you would have to sacrifice control of your organisation. You'd have to sacrifice your strategy uh, in terms of the wider company strategy. You'd have to sacrifice your independence. You'd have to sacrifice possibly your identity as well. And you'd have to sacrifice a decent chunk of whatever money that you can make out of being in Formula One. So you lose a lot if a partner comes in. And so that partner has to be right. And just because it's famous and it's got amazing motorsport pedigree and it would be a nice sounding thing to have, doesn't mean that you can just assume that that partner will be able to walk in. So I think 10, 15, 20 years ago, teams are falling over themselves even to get Porsche on board as a sponsor. Uh, that's just not the case now with the way that F1 is. The value of a team is too high for that. Yeah, and I think that's why something that sounds so good on paper can be so difficult to do. And I imagine Porsche, after the Red Bull thing, potentially got quite a rude awakening and that it wasn't that easy to waltz up to various other teams and, and try and get something done. And I think probably the centrepiece of a Porsche F1 entry, really, the engine needs to be involved, doesn't it? I think that's something that if they want to come into F1 in the future, they need to crack on with. But really, they needed to have started doing that quite some time ago. And it's clear that part of this one, they were never really seriously considering that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, as you were saying, Scott, Porsche wanted to be an F1, but to do it the slightly easier way. Now, that Red Bull deal sounded like a really good idea at the time. Obviously, that would have been hugely expensive. We don't know how much it would have cost because it was going to be half of Red Bull technology, which effectively designs and builds the cars. Red Bull Racing, the team, is a separate company, but basically that's half of your main team. We don't know what the value was, but it would have been very, very high, wasn't it? But that would have got Porsche in. But I think there's definitely an unwillingness to take on the complexity of a full-on team, either with a full takeover, an engine project, or even a startup. There's no evidence they considered pitching to be a new team, for example. No, um, I think the evidence suggests that Porsche was very interested while it sounded quote-unquote convenient, because I don't think, as you say, with the cost that would have been involved in buying into Red Bull, you can't really just say that is truly convenient because it would have been a massive financial undertaking and there would have been other elements that Porsche needed to to contribute as well. But in terms of there being a ready-to-go, absolute top, top F1 team with an engine facility already in the works and recruitment underway and seriously good people involved a top driver like Max Verstappen attached to the project, the possibility, as Red Bull has since shown with Ford, of sacrificing at least part of the naming rights, all of that adds up to just the just the, the best short-cutting, lazy way of getting a top-line F1 programme. That, that is ultimately the, the, the... It's a bit blunt, but that is what it would have been. It would, like I said before, it would have been piggybacking onto someone else's F1 program basically but it worked it, it, or, it, or it would have worked because it gave Porsche what they wanted and it was presumably at a price they were willing to to consider if they were already going through the process of looking at paperwork and and whatnot as as we found last summer so that that willingness was there to a degree but then when it came down to doing things on its own, basically like Audi has done, where they've gone, right, okay, what do we need? Uh, well, we need an engine facility. Okay, well, we've got decent motorsport set up here, but let's invest an absolute ton of money on tooling it up to build an F1 engine. Let's build a new area for it. Let's hire a load more people. Right, that's it. We've got an engine facility now. What do we do about a team? Okay, well, we'll look at some different teams. You settle on one that's actually available and actually can be bought for a relatively reasonable price. Okay, can't buy it 100% outright, but can get a majority share. Boom, Salva, done. Works team, works engine for supply, sorted. Audi's coming in, no fooling around, no silliness around the edges, no noise or public or private declarations of interest without actually following it up. Audi, Audi just got it done. For whatever reason, Porsche never got to a point or certainly the senior figures never got to a point where they considered F1 enough of a priority to commit to it like that on their side. The thing that's also strange as well is, I remember us doing a podcast in late 2021 sometime when it was clear Porsche and Audi were very, very serious and thinking it'd be a great idea to have a single engine project. You can run one as Audi, run one as Porsche. Works perfectly well because they're all part of the same group. But what we have learned through this process is quite how divided, if you like, Audi and Porsche are, in that they may be owned 
by the same group, but they're very, very independent organisations, aren't they? There are even people suggesting that the that Porsche could take over the Audi engine project, but none of this was ever really going to happen because they might have the same ownership, but they're very, very, very separate entities. Yeah, and um, when we were discussing this in Jeddah at the weekend, it, it's just typical uh, Volkswagen Group, isn't it? And the politics within those within those brands that that, that something can't happen, and that extends to. Audi, for example, and the engine that they're building won't be based on the the one that Porsche got so advanced with a few years ago. So now the MGUH obviously isn't there and isn't part of it anymore. So it's not entirely relevant. The fuels are going to be different to so the combustion process of the engine, the ignition timing, all of that has to be different as well. But there would have been a blueprint there for the basis of a V6 type turbo hybrid F1 engine within the Volkswagen Group. And Audi can't use it because it's Porsches, even though Porsche aren't coming into Formula One. So it's just another example there. And I think it would have made a lot of sense for there to be pooled resources and to do things together. But it wouldn't surprise me if one of the reasons why Porsche couldn't get a deal done with another with another team, if one of the sticking points was that it wouldn't really be a works engine supply. If you had the Audi engine and was allowed to call it Porsche, like I don't that I still I don't think that would be the same because Audi's got its own team and it's doing that engine in conjunction with the car it will build for 2026. So that engine will be will be based around what Audi needs and what is what the Audi team needs. Porsche would have to accept whatever compromises are required to make that work. So therefore, whatever team takes the Porsche engine in in quote marks would be actually taking just a customer Audi engine. So it's not even really an out-and-out work. That, that wouldn't be an out-and-out work still. So then that, again, dilutes that Porsche partnership and what and what they're offering. So just something that could have been quite grand ends up being just a bit of a mess to try to organise. The only, the only saving grace from it is it has protected F1 from a broader um, can of worms being opened because I can't imagine the politics involved of trying to police two different manufacturers within the same company umbrella trying to operate under one budget cap and or one engine cost cap rather and uh, then claiming that their development was definitely unified and all of this I think that would have been an absolute mess to try to manage (laughs) it just goes to show why something that sounds great on paper can be very very difficult and actually that's kind of the story of Porsche and F1 isn't it this is just another chapter in something that just doesn't work they're like oil and water Porsche and F1 they don't really mix going way back the the fact that it's it's never really been a, a a good partnership in the way that Porsche and endurance racing obviously has been an absolutely iconic partnership. They're going back to Le Mans this year with a nine six three, so that's very exciting. But yeah, Porsche and F one that they've had three stints in F one and they've all been almost under duress and in conventional terms not successful as Porsche, even when they were winning races. Yeah, it's. Um it just comes down to that that it's that word that we've used a few times now convenience is it is it easy or easier to do formula 1 if it is porsche will do it if it's not it won't um those respective moments in porsche's history where they've competed very much fall under the the category of porsche doing something because in that specific moment it kind of makes sense but they're not actually that committed to it um and it feels a little bit like the this is um almost exactly in the same mold as those three 
previous ventures. I didn't. I don't want to say failed because obviously they weren't all failed. The one in the middle, the tag to tag project, even though it didn't have the Porsche name, was obviously very much not a not a failure. But if you have a, a such a short lived work works project that you bail out immediately because it's not value for money. If you're only actually doing that successful project in the 80s because someone else is paying for it, if someone pays for you to come back at the start of the 90s, but you massively, massively underdeliver because you actually don't know what you're doing and everything's rooted in year old, years old technology, I think that's exactly the sort of manufacturer that fleetingly wants to come back in now because F1's in vogue and, and it's fun to have a project and it's really popular and you're really big in the US and blah, blah, blah. But then actually you don't really know what it needs and you don't really have what you need to to offer to, to, to do it properly. I think it just smacks of a manufacturer that doesn't know whether F1's a means to an end or an end in itself. It doesn't know what F1 can be to it. Where you see all these other manufacturers that want to be involved and they they make... F1 the centre of a strategy, if not the strategy, it's certainly a strategy within within the company, and and that manifests itself for better or worse. Sometimes, you know, for Honda as a point of comparison, for a few years, every decade or two, F1's the be all and end all for Honda, and it doesn't stick around, and it has its problems of its own. I've been pretty scathing of of their flakiness as well, but at least when Honda wants to do F1, it does F1 properly. I don't think Porsche really knows how to do F1 properly because it doesn't know what it really takes. <laughs> yeah, that's very much its its whole history. Even if you go back to when they had their own full works team for a couple of years, they did win a race in 1962 with Dan Gurney at the French Grand Prix, but they only really came in because of circumstances in that the engine formula changed, they had an F2 car, and it kind of fitted in. And then they thought this is all a little bit expensive, which uh, even if you scale it up to, to modern money, it wasn't expensive at, at that time. So yeah, it's been it's been really, really strange. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that this latest attempt ultimately came to nothing. Certainly, it's better than doing something like that footwork project, because the main thing that was achieved there was the famous accident Alex Caffey had at Swimming Pool when the engine separated from the chassis in what appeared to be something of a metaphor for what was to come for that partnership that only lasted about half a dozen races. And in fact, while we're on the subject of F1 history, which doesn't crop up too often in this particular podcast, it does on Bring Back V10s, which is our sister podcast that tells classic F1 stories. We've got a special episode coming up of that, which is part of our fundraising activities for Blood Cancer UK, where if you make a donation on our Just Giving page, you can submit a question and we'll answer it on our special episode. So maybe you've got a question about the footwork Porsche or something like that, but it can be about any era of F1 history. So that's promoted on our social media channels various places but it's a a just giving page for the race where you can do that as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So, Scott, after all this chat, we know where we are now with Audi and Porsche F1. We're gradually seeing the Audification, as I like to say, of the Alfa Romeo team, which will presumably become normal Sauber again next year in name than Audi in 2026, and Porsche just out of the way. So I guess this is all at least now settled down. We know exactly where we stand. Yeah, it's, um, it is just in the direction that we could see it was heading in for, for quite a long time now. Um I think for the Volkswagen Group, it's probably, you know, it will be a disappointment. They saw the opportunity that they had to get two massive brands in in Formula One, brands that would have worked really well in in Formula One, um, different stories to tell. Uh, but given their prestige in motorsport, the chance to have Porsche and Audi together in Formula One fighting against each other and also just raking in the the benefits that, that F1 currently has in terms of eyeballs in the US and in Asia with a younger demographic and everything. And, and also from a commercial point of view, I would be stunned if a Porsche and an Audi F1 team wouldn't make money. So that is a loss. Um, VW, I think, saw it as an opportunity to just sort of in in for a penny, in in for a pound kind, kind of thing. They're European, aren't they? In for a cent, in for a euro. Uh, because they would have been able to um, just basically... It, almost like a double or nothing kind of deal. In the end, it hasn't worked out that way. They've got one in, one out, uh, which I suppose is a little bit of a silver lining for them because they've got the one brand in for in F1. They'll benefit from that with Audi. Porsche's doing hypercar properly, which Audi pulled out of in order to redirect its resources to, to F1. So VW's major motorsport brands are still well represented across different world championships. That kind of like oh one does f1 one does sports car racing feels like quite a nice split in if you looked at it that way but that that wasn't the target so it's a loss for vw not a massive one because audi's still in audi's still there f1 
probably won't mourn the loss of Porsche too much because they've got other manufacturers either coming in or interested. The biggest loser from this is Porsche, isn't it? Well, I'm sure that they will explain how this is all carefully strategized and it perfectly fits their portfolio in terms of motorsport and the brands and everything. But yeah, it's clear they did want to do it. But you say it's it's fine for F1, but obviously it is a little bit of a disappointment, isn't it? Because Porsche was there, they're going to miss out. Obviously, Honda is on that potential power unit supplier list, but it seems a little bit late now for it to be creating a partnership with anyone. So Although we've got Audi in, and although there's the General Motors interest through the Andretti bid, there's the Ford return in partnership with Red Bull, is there not a feeling that it could have been so much better, that there's a missed opportunity here? To a point, but ultimately F1 couldn't have done any more. I think it would have looked I think it would have looked a lot worse if there'd been some action from F1 or people within F1 that had just rudely slammed the door in Porsche's face I think that would have been a lot worse than what happened you know if you look at now I'm going to list a bunch of changes here knowing full well that they aren't all just to get Porsche through the door so it doesn't it's it's not it's it's not that I'm saying that but if you look at over the last three years or so since basically the Porsche talks really started you've had an agreement to drop the MGUH from the engine and simplify it in that sense. You have sustainable fuels, you have an increased electrification of the power unit, you have an engine cost cap, you have then broader things that are changing within Formula One, like the the, the the general team budget cap, the redistribution of financial revenue, uh, prize prize money and whatnot, so that teams can compete on a more favor on a more level playing field makes it more favorable to enter all of these things were done not explicitly only to get Porsche on the grid but to get manufacturers on the grid make it more appealing to come into formula 1 and that has worked because that's what brought Porsche and Audi to the table properly and then they kept having meetings they kept being willing to make the changes that Porsche and Audi said that they needed to be made Audi took that opportunity and went great We'll meet you halfway by working out what it takes to get onto the grid. And if we're serious about it, we will meet those terms. So it is paying hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for a 75% stake in Sauber. That it's phasing in over the next few years. So it's trying, it's having to put up money now for something that it doesn't actually get anything out of. In fact, another brand at the moment in Alfa Romeo, even though the, the Audi influence is extremely low, but Alfa Romeo is currently benefiting for another nine months or so for, from a team that Audi owns 25% of because Audi's playing the long game and is willing to put the money in. Then they're willing to do that. Porsche came in and tried to do things on, on their terms and there comes a point where you can't just... The only way this would have worked would have been if F1 intervened and said to some different teams, that's it, you have to set the price lower. Or oh, you have to be willing, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter, you have to get rid of your name. Or you have to lose X amount of control over the decisions that you make. Whatever it would have would have taken, you, you, you can't do that. You can't just be completely subservient to a manufacturer that's sort of not playing games, but is has laid out certain demands that have been met in terms of the broader discussions. And then when it comes to their specific negotiations with potential partners, they do start to, or they or they set terms that just aren't realistic, aren't reflective of modern F1. So I, I don't think F1 or any of the teams involved can really 
be blamed for Porsche not coming in. And for that reason, while it is a bit of a missed opportunity and a shame, I don't think anyone will be sat there thinking, oh, I can't believe we dropped the ball on this one because it's Porsche's the reason that it hasn't come off. So, so they're the ones that probably in a few years, if they see Audi doing really well and benefiting massively from being F1, will be thinking, oh, why did we handle it like that? The final thing on Porsche I will say is it feels like this probably means that the chances of Porsche ever coming in to F1, and I mean ever coming in in its modern form, because if you look at that works team in the early 60s, that was not really the Porsche we know today. The 911 didn't come in until just after that. So it wasn't the the, the supermark that it, that it became. So this kind of more modern Porsche... I'm just not sure they're ever going to do Formula One because this was almost the chance to do it, wasn't it? There's never going to be a better time in terms of the interest level and being able to justify it. Can you see, I mean, never say never, but it's very difficult to see Porsche seriously having another look at F1 for some years. I agree. I think if uh, for all of the changes that I mentioned just now on the engine side, on on the financial side, the, the growth of the championship, if you're not, if, if these are not reasons enough to convince you to put your money where your mouth is and join F1, what reasons can there be to, to, to do it? So I think it was now or never, pretty much. And, and you know, the Volkswagen Group admitted this about a, year, about a year ago, last sort of late spring, I think it was, where they said that this is probably the last chance for 10 years or so to join the grid, just in terms of... It, coinciding with an engine rules change and cars changing and and other things going on in the background 2026 was a lovely entry point for a new manufacturer because that usual period of playing catch-up was mitigated to quite a reasonable degree uh who knows when that window opens again but i would be amazed if it's you're looking probably in the 2030s before they get another chance to really do it on their own terms They, they they could yet join in in the coming years they would have to they would have to change their their conditions of entry quite a bit, Porsche, and they would have to accept a, a coming in in a lesser form, I'm sure. It's not impossible, but if you were going to do it properly, you'd have done it now or not at all. Yeah, it does seem unlikely. Never say never, but maybe Porsche and F1 should just stay apart because they're not the right match for each other. Let Porsche stick to endurance racing, where it's, of course, an absolute phenomenon. That's played a huge part in the development of the brand. But if Porsche does come knocking, I'm sure F1 will welcome them in one day. There's very little chance of it happening in this kind of serious form in anything approaching the, the short or medium term well thanks very much scott mitchell malm for your insight head to race.com don't forget the hyphen lots to read there including on the end of this porsche bid check out our other podcasts including bring back v10s our indycar podcast MotoGP as well and formula e of course and also take a look at our youtube channel well the good news is there's plenty of manufacturers still around so stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of formula one The Athletic.